0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm
1: your host, Ren Wadsworth.
2: And I'm Maximus Hunter, and we are joined in the studio by our brand new reporter. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hello, I'm Chrissy Conklin. Happy to be here.
2: Thanks, Chrissy. We've got a great show coming up today. We've got lots of stuff, um, and it's going to be kind of an environmentally focused show today. So we wanted to throw this question out at you, and we'll repeat it a few times. But it is Valentine's Day tomorrow, and we're talking about the environment today. And we wanted to find the segue of those two things. So we want to know, how are you sharing your love with the environment? And you can tell us your answer at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. We'd love to know. So how are you sharing your love with the environment today?
0: Yeah, but for the rest of our show, we're going to do a little bit of local news, a little bit about conservation. We're going to re-air one of our old pieces by Ray Zaragoza, and then we're going to do a little bit of campus news. Happy birthday to DIA coming up, and then finish off the show as we regularly do, so you're going to want to stick around for all of that.
2: Oh, yes. All right, but I think first off, we're going to do local news with Chrissy.
1: All right, good afternoon, everyone. This is Chrissy Conklin, your local news host on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU for Collins. As you all know, February is Black History Month. Front Range Community College is hosting Colorado Humanities Black History Live, an educational part of their organization that features African-American scholars portraying important black figures and events in history. At 11 o'clock a.m. on February 27th, Actress and scholar Becky Stone will be portraying Rosa Parks at Front Range Community College. For those of you who don't know, Rosa Parks was an African-American activist during the civil rights movement. She is best known for her role in the Montgomery Bus Boycott, where she refused to give up her seat to a white passenger on a segregated bus. Black History Live is inviting you to meet Rosa Parks and learn more about her heroic acts of resistance. This event is free and open to the public. Again, this event is being held on February 27th at 11 a.m. at Front Range Community College. On a more discouraging note, a recent study carried out by Kathy Morris and Chris Colmer concluded that Fort Collins is one of the worst cities for a woman to live. Cities throughout the United States offer a variety of opportunities and qualities for women. Kathy and Chris were determined to figure out which cities were the best and worst for women to live. The two teamed up with the Census American Community Survey for answers. They conducted their study across 196 cities. They ranked each city based on four categories, including percentage of women in management, percentage of women in poverty, uninsured women, and the income gap between male and female employees. Their records indicated that location plays a major part in a woman's success. Unfortunately, Fort Collins was ranked as number 13 on the list of worst cities for a woman to live. Their study found that 17% of women here are living in poverty, 41% of them are in management roles, and 21% of them are uninsured. The income disparity sits at $10,381. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) I also have some news for our team member, Coda Babcock. Poudre River Public Library District is introducing a new Curiosity Pass program. The new pass will allow cardholders to access 12 different cultural institutions, like museums, art galleries, and nature-focused attractions throughout the Front Range. Sites participating in the new program include the Butterfly Pavilion, the Fort Collins Museum of Discovery, and Dinosaur Ridge. Resident cardholders of the Poudre Valley Public Library can visit the 12 different sites by using an online reservation system to check out a Curiosity Pass. Each venue pass allows for multiple people's admission, meaning that families, couples, or friends can go together without the need for multiple reservations. Passes are good for one day's visit and each site has its own rules for admission. For more information on the sites or to access the reservation system, you can visit pooterlibraries.org things or call the Answer Center at 970-221-6740. In other news, let's talk about this crazy weather we've been having. In the last week, Colorado has been placed on a severe winter weather advisory. Due to dangerous or impossible road conditions, Portions of I-70 and Highway 6 were closed down, forcing travelers to delay their trips. At the time, the Colorado Department of Transportation had no estimation time to reopen the roads. On February 7, 2020, at approximately 12.40 a.m., the American Red Cross of Colorado opened a shelter for travelers stranded in Silverthorne, Colorado. The Silverthorne Police Department reported that approximately 800 to 1,000 vehicles were stranded with no hotel vacancies, Thanks, Red Cross, for your hospitality.
2: That one's um, wild that so many people get stranded that regularly. Um, cause yeah, we, were, we, we talked yeah, about talk that about on about the show that.
0: earlier, about uh, being prepared for the winter weather. We mostly talked about it in regards to your automobiles Yeah, um, what you buses. keep in your car. Yeah, but I'm glad that Chrissy brought that up, that you yourself need to be prepared, too, for this winter weather, because it could be deadly if you're not ready for it.
1: Right, and being stuck in small towns when there might not be service, or if there's chain laws that are required, a lot of people can get into a lot of trouble.
2: Oh, yeah. And 800 to 1,000 vehicles is a lot, and even if the Red Cross does have a a shelter, yeah, it's not an ideal situation. No,
1: definitely not.
0: Alrighty, but moving right along, since we are talking a little bit about nature, uh, and we wanted to bring up that question again about how you are loving the environment, so if you have a reason or a way that you're going to love this environment that we have this upcoming Valentine's Day, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. But moving right along on that topic, Max has a little bit about conservation.
2: Yes, I do. So um, the House of Representatives yesterday passed House Resolution 2546, also known as the Protecting America's Wilderness Act. And I would actually like to say thank you, Chrissy, for doing your newscast. But before Thank I started you, thank real quick, you. I'm really happy to be one. here. You did great. Thank you. All right, so the House of Representatives passed House Resolution 2546, and that is known as the Protecting America's Wilderness Act. And H.R. 2546 designates more than 1.5 million acres of land across Washington, Colorado, and California as protected wilderness. The Protected Wilderness Designation grants this land the highest permanent protection possible and prevents any future commercial use. Commercial use that is going on will continue to go on until its time ends, and no future commercial use will take place on those lands. The bill passed in the House with a vote of 231 yes to 183 nays. <laughs> the resolution was introduced by Colorado's owned U.S. Representative, Diana DeGette. Congresswoman DeGette has served in the House since 1997, elected to represent Colorado's first district, which includes Denver and Englewood. Out of the over 1.5 million acres of land that this bill protects, 660,000 are in Colorado. Congresswoman DeGette focused specifically on protecting mid-elevation ecosystems, like many we see around us here in northern Colorado. About two-thirds of this newly protected land was already commonly under use as public wilderness and only now is being officially designated as such. The Protecting America's Wilderness Act designates 36 areas in Colorado as protected wilderness. These areas are Grand Hogback, Little Brook Cliffs, or Little Book Cliffs, Browns Canyon, the Dolores River Canyon, Bull Gulch, Castle Peak, my personal favorite, Maroon Bells, Red Cloud Peak, Handys Peak, Table Mountain, McIntyre Hills, the Flat Tops Wilderness, Demarie Canyon, the Piscah Wilderness, Assignation Ridge, Badger Creek, Beaver Creek, and Grape Creek, the Bangs Canyon, the Unaweep Wilderness, the Platte River, Siwamup Mesa, Robado Wilderness, Norwood Canyon, Cross Canyon, McKenna Peak, Weber Menfee Mountain, and finally the San Luis Hills. According to Colorado College, as many as 90% of Coloradoans like to recreate in the outdoors. Congresswoman DeGette believes that this resolution will increase an in outdoor even more recreational use, which employs 22 or 229,000 people and brings in $28 billion each year in Colorado alone. But this trend of environmental conservation is not just in Colorado and California, it's moving throughout the West and Midwest. Montana just saw a massive donation to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. John Greytack, a local landowner, decided to donate almost 3,500 acres of his own personal land to be used for the conservation of elk and deer. His property suffered a wildfire in 2013, and not only will elk grazing help boost their populations, but it will also revitalize the burnt land. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation protects about 7.9 million acres of land world or not worldwide nationwide for the use of elk and deer uh that's all in that story i just thought that was really exciting that we're getting so much new protected wilderness in colorado
0: yeah that definitely is really cool
2: shout out to diana DeGette get in denver's or colorado's first district that's denver and inglewood right there uh that was that was really her uh her initiative so i think uh you know, Colorado, let's give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back.
1: Yeah, that's how we're loving the environment for that, Valentine's Day. That's yeah. how we're we loving the environment answer. for
2: Valentine's Day, yeah.
1: We already have our things.
0: Oh, and we actually got a text in about someone who wanted to talk about the environment. So they said, hi, my name is TJ. Uh, they didn't realize it was a text thing. They tried to call in and we <laughs> didn't answer, Definitely said a text. It's hard for us to pick um, up calls live. Right. but. He said, I enjoyed the wilderness recently by visiting a state preserve in Tampa full of mangrove trees. Oh, cool. Yeah, and the oldest uncovered saltwater canoe in the country made by Native Americans in about 1000 AD. It's over 40 feet long. It got me thinking about how humans navigated nature more peacefully and less destructively in the past and how that relationship took more courage. It's something I'd like to think about as I consider my impact on the environment. Yeah, thank you for texting in, TJ. Yeah,
1: thank you, TJ. That's actually my brother who is living in Tampa, Florida right now. Oh, is that really your brother? That is my brother. Thanks for listening in, TJ. That's
2: awesome. Well, thanks, (laughs) TJ. And that that actually makes me think of, so uh, you and I have a class together where we talk about this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. sometimes. And that that definitely does make me think of um, the the whole, like, how we could interact with nature better had we kind of changed our perspective on it in the past. Right. Um, That that makes me think, and I'm going to pose this question to you, uh, do you think... That had we taken more taken more lessons from the native people living in America, well, we could have a better relationship with the environment around us.
1: I mean, I think there's definitely some value in connecting to nature on a more spiritual level. Um, Max and I are learning about something called the Anthropocene, which yes. is the age of man, basically, and how... In this age, there's really no distinction between man and nature anymore because we've Uh, really had an impact on on every single part of it. In the
2: last 5,000 years since we started large-scale agriculture, the soil records, the ice records, everything has been changed because of us.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think there's definitely some value in relating on a spiritual level and listening to these stories and being able to connect with nature and the environment around us.
0: Well, I definitely think there's something really respectable, too, about using everything to its full potential that I've always been intrigued by by Native Americans.
2: You know, I think that's a great segue into our next bit. We should play the... Ray Zaragoza interview. Yeah,
0: would you like to introduce her a little bit?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I believe last November I was lucky enough to meet Ray Zaragoza, who is a touring musician, and uh, she wrote the song In the River, which is a song in protest, the Dakota Pipeline. And uh, she writes activism music, and it's it was a really fascinating conversation just meeting her first of all, talking about touring and music and all that stuff interests me personally because I like to make music. but also learning. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, about the environmental um, aspect of everything. She had a lot to say and she'd learned a lot. So I think now would be a great time to listen to that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so without further ado, here's
3: Ray Zaragoza.
2: Hi, Ray. Thanks for joining me in the studio today.
3: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: I'm glad you're here. I'm going to start this one uh, with a softball. Uh, How long have you been playing music? I've
3: been playing music... I started playing the guitar when I was 12 years old, so 14 years, wow. which is crazy to think because I'm definitely not that good um, <laughs> playing <laughs> your, the guitar. Your music career is a high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh started songwriting when I was 19, um, but I started singing when I was like five. So it's kind of hard to say exactly when I started playing music, but playing my own music 19
2: right on yeah. and I, I did see on your Wikipedia it said your first song you played to the public was at age 6 um, and it was on, on TV yeah can you tell us about that
3: yeah I uh, my dad was an Annie get your gun on Broadway when I was a kid so I knew all the words to all those songs in the Broadway show and so it was like a Father's Day television special and they asked me to sing you can't get a man with a gun <laughs> <laughs> on national television when I was six years was old, and kid. I did, which is so interesting. Yeah, I think we still have that on VHS do somewhere. You, do
2: you ever get uh, recognition for that one?
3: Um, not. Usually, unless it's like <laughs> randomly brought up because it's on my Wikipedia. Hey. But um, my mom like has it on VHS, and we're gonna like get it so I can you know put it online or something. <laughs> right, I'll make like a little like clip show or something. Oh, you guys are so embarrassing.
2: <laughs> no, um, do you think that helped you move down the path to becoming a recognized artist?
3: Um, that.
2: Yeah, you know, what? having a taste of uh, the spotlight so young. Oh, it's so
3: young. Yes, absolutely. Um. I feel very I feel very comfortable on stage because I performed like ever since I was a super little kid um and I I can't imagine you know having gotten started a lot later having to figure out how to feel comfortable on a stage at this point being on stage to me is like more comfortable than being on you know in real life <laughs> <laughs> which sounds weird
2: but, uh, I think that uh you know uh, the stage has a lot of power yeah and it's and you don't think it's something that comes naturally to most most people mm-hmm. it's something you got to learn
3: I mean, there are people, it comes naturally too. I think a lot lot of, there's certain kids that just have a knack for being in front of people and like like attention. And (laughs) I think I was one of those kids. And uh, I think that in order to be on stage, you have to like people watching you. And so that's something I think some young people like and some hate. So there is kind of a natural knack for it a little bit.
2: Well, and now um, you're playing to much bigger uh, crowds yeah. than, than ever. <laughs> uh, how's how's that changed? Have you? I mean, you you really kind of blew up in 2016, mm-hmm. and in the in the years following, how have you noticed? Uh, have you noticed the crowds changing?
3: Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean, I I've been opening for for bands, you know, so I've been playing for their crowds. And, I mean, I was in this area last summer when I played at Red Rocks, opening up for Dispatch. Whoa. Yeah, that was pretty insane. I mean, there were uh, probably five to 8,000 people there when I was playing, and that was insane. Just totally crazy. You just can't really prepare for that. You just have to kind of walk on stage and just go. Just do it, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) you can't just, like, sit in your room and practice, like, this is me playing for 8,000 people. Um, (laughs) No. You just can't prepare for it, but it is amazing, and... Yeah, I mean, I think the more and more I play and the more and more I, I try to just, like, spread this music out and, like, push it around, um, more and more people show up and more people know the lyrics. and. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's magic. It's, it's amazing. It's the dream, yeah. Yeah, totally.
2: So you're touring right now with Rising Appalachia, and mm-hmm. uh, they're a pretty experienced band. They've been all over the world. Yeah. Um, what's it like spending so much time with them if they taught you stuff?
3: Oh yeah, they're teaching me so much. They're very cool. The way they do things is amazing. I mean, they've been a band for thirteen years and been touring for so long. So you know, they really know what they're doing. Um, one of the things they've been helping with me with is figuring out how to stay healthy on the road because I, Can every be time tough. It's, it's really hard. I'm like, I get headaches or I get. Uh, colds and it's just like, oh my gosh, this is so hard because you're on planes, trains, buses. Like you're just in a different place every day. Well, and
2: you got, you know, you don't have a, a kitchen, so you got to no. out ways to eat. Uh uh-huh. right? It's a
3: challenge. And so they're they've been teaching me a couple things, and uh, they're really good at staying grounded. And you know, they don't really party after shows. They go to sleep, and I and I respect that. And I do the same thing. Right on. You are wearing yeah. a,
2: a dare t-shirt. I am.
3: <laughs> yeah, my shirt says dare to resist racism, sexism, and homophobia. Oh, cool. Good message. Good
2: message. <laughs> right on. Uh, any any tips you'd like to share with our uh, listeners about how to stay healthy on the road that you may have picked oh, up? Oh,
3: man. Listeners, if you know, please message me. Let me know. Um, well, I, w- <laughs> I need some advice. Um, one is I don't drink at all. Okay. Um, I just found that it's I always. It's, it's. a lot harder to maintain your immune system when you're drinking alcohol. Um, that is a huge one. Uh, for two, sleep is always a priority. You know, and it's hard because a lot of times you play these shows and people want to talk to you for so long and you kind of have to um, kind of really be mindful about how much energy you're putting in to, you know, talking to people. So sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been talking to friends and family and strangers for like an hour and I literally am so tired. So you have to kind of uh, keep that to a minimum so you can really preserve your energy for the show and before my shows, I'm always, like, really quiet and to myself. And, um, you know, I don't really socialize too much before shows at all. And then afterwards, I try to keep it to a minimum and then go to sleep. And because a lot of times, like, a show is like, oh, my God, this is, like, a big deal. It's a big thing. But, like, actually, it's it's my everyday work. So um, I can't treat every night like it's a party. Every night is a job. Uh, that would be a lot of partying. <laughs> a lot yeah. of partying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: let's talk about in the river oh, yeah. uh because it's a, first of all it's a beautiful song Thank i really you. Uh, i really like it yay <laughs> um, and that that was definitely kind of your breakthrough song yeah. back in 2016 um and it's about the dakota pipeline mm-hmm. and uh that was a little while ago now so some people may not know what happened there uh mm-hmm. would you mind giving us your take
3: yeah so um the dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, was a, is, sorry, a pipeline pipeline being built right near the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation, all the way from Canada, all the way through the United States, and um, we were up there protesting it because it was going through water sources and near uh, the reservation. It was pretty wild because the pipeline was supposed to be built right outside of Bismarck, North Dakota, which is... A big city, you know, and then all the city folks were like, "We don't want this pipeline near our, our water and our children and our and our city, so move it." So they moved it near the reservation, which is just wild, just to think about like that, you know, how the interests of indigenous people is always being put second. Um, and so I wrote this song, uh, just as a way to. Spread awareness to what was happening, and I, initially, I really just wrote it because I was just so heartbroken with what was happening, and I didn't really know why no one knew about it, and I was very frustrated. And so I wrote the song. Me and my brother made a video with facts about what was happening at Standing Rock, and then, kind of overnight, the video got like hundreds of thousands of views. It was kind of crazy, and then from there, I just uh, you know kept playing the song all over the world, and I was. I went to standing rock and I kind of realized the power of music and social justice movements. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much the story. It's been a couple of years since. And, um, you know, the pipelines being built, which is, which is heartbreaking, but the movement taught me a lot and it brought a lot of people together and it reminded us that, you know, we have a voice and we just have to keep using it.
2: Well, and let's talk about the power of music for a mm-hmm. second. Cause I think, uh, that's- it's so cool that you you took a song about something and you wrote a song about something you cared about, yeah. and that actually you know got picked up and people people mm-hmm. listening to it and it kind of snowballed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think that as a as a tool for, uh, for transformation, mm-hmm. as a tool for um, helping make the world a better place? Yeah, do you think that music is kind of like the the modern day? I almost want to say it's like a weapon,
3: mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Totally. I mean, I, I love, like, the term, like, my voice is my weapon, you know, and, like, I'm all about peace and love, and I don't, you know, I don't believe in, I don't, I don't like guns, I don't like violence, I don't like anything like that, but I do fight, you know? Yeah. And I fight with my spirit, and I fight with my voice, and um, I think a way of oppression for so many hundreds of years is this silence, you know, and how we've been silent about the things that oppress us, and finally, I think we're especially... With indigenous rights issues uh we're not silent anymore and people are listening and that was a big breaking point with standing rock because with the power of social media there's not as many gatekeepers to Mm -hmm. media so if something's going to go viral no one can really stop that i mean algorithms are trying (laughs) but um if we have something to say we can say it and we can just do it and um and so with that you know i think music plays a, a large part in that process and um and yeah, you know, I always say that I feel like music is a good way of bringing out a seed that you feel. So I think a lot of people, whether or not they participate as activists or they take action upon the things that uh, they are unhappy with, they have those seeds inside of them, right? They, hmm. they know it. They know that something is wrong. They want to do something about it, but they haven't taken action or they haven't really found that community yet to nurture that feeling. And sometimes it just takes one song Hmm. or one rally where someone plays a song or um, something like that to really grow that seed into a flower and be like, hey, I'm inspired. I'm I'm ready. I want to take action.
2: Sometimes you just have to tap into that part of someone because it's already there. It's
3: a frequency. It's already there. I'm never one to say that I'm trying to change people. I don't want to change anyone's minds. People are who they are. I just want to bring out. The, the things in people that, they're, that are already there, you know, like I don't like arguing. I, you know, if someone has different beliefs than me, I'll say my piece, you know, in peace <laughs> and, and share. But I'm never trying to like hit someone over the head with my beliefs so that they'll change their minds because change is something that's so big. But I, what I want to do is take those that are maybe shy to or <clears throat> don't have the community yet to really feel the things and get the support they need. And maybe through my music and my community with my music, they can feel like they have that love and support. Um, And so, and so, yeah, so in music, you know, I think the greatest power of it is that it comforts us and it makes, it makes us realize that we're not alone and it builds community and community is like the biggest way of change throughout history, you know? Yeah. Well community and and gathering and all of that. That's how we change the world. The
2: power of people in large groups.
3: Yeah, exactly. And music and and like just you know, opening for a band and playing at Red Rocks for eight thousand people, like that is community. Can you imagine what eight thousand people can do and how they were all brought together by music? Like that's that blows my mind.
2: So your last album came out in 2017. Are there yeah. plans for another one?
3: Yes, it's done. The album oh. is done. We're just uh, kind of, you know, doing all the scheming behind the scenes of what? how we're going to release it. What can so. you tell me? I mean, it it was recorded in Portland, Oregon, with Tucker Martin, uh, who is like oh my gosh he was my dream producer to work with he produced first aid kits record ruins and pretty much all of the december's records really yeah wow. a lot yeah he's incredible He's oh, i can't even he was working with him was a dream that's so exciting it was so fun yeah and so the record's done and now it's just kind of like the you know release plan making music videos and and all that kind of stuff so that'll take a little while but it'll be out in 2020
2: sounds good yeah. um is there is it activism related Do you have more activism on the horizon
3: sure i mean how uh, this next record it's really kind of my story and a lot of my uh my, my quest for identity answers and all of that translates into a lot of activism i mean there's a lot of songs about uh you know indigenous rights uh issues there's songs about my mom who's an immigrant from japan and so it all kind of I'm relating my own stories back to the world around me which in its own way has turned into my activism, you know. Like it yeah. all comes from within. So um a lot of the stories are coming from within but relating to the the greater story of the world around us happening right now.
2: That's yeah. awesome. Well, I'll be sure to keep an eye out for it.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. Well, um thank you so much for coming in, Ray.
3: Thank you for having me. Um, If
2: people are interested in checking out your music, where can they find that?
3: You can find me on Spotify and all the streaming services. It's R-A-Y-E space Z-A-R-A-G-O-Z-A, Ray Zaragoza, or on Instagram, Ray Zaragoza. Send me a message. Would love to say hey.
2: (laughs) Or if you just want to listen to some bops.
3: Yeah, there you go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Ray.
0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ron Wadsworth.
2: And I'm Maximus Hunter, and we're joined in studio by our new reporter,
0: Chrissy Conklin. Yeah. yeah. And we just heard a piece by Max about Ray Zaragoza and a piece about conservation by Max. And then we also heard big from conservation Chrissy, day. Yeah. We also heard from Chrissy about a little bit of news. So if you missed any of that, you can catch it all on our website at kcsufm.com. And also, something you can catch at kcsufm.com is our new podcast uh, called yeah. More About More. Host Benjamin Randall presents topics varied from societal issues to daily motivation, but uh, prominently covers music. Episodes consist of an analysis of a fan-submitted bands or musical artists, small excerpts, and some concluding remarks about the band covered in reference to life. Episode one is now available, and again, that's going to be at KCSUFM.com. Um, so
2: KCSUFM.com slash more about more.
0: Heck yeah. So go ahead and check that out or anything else on the website that fancies you.
2: You um, know, in the Rocky Mountain Review corner of things. <laughs>
0: That's also something you could check out. Might
2: have been a super cool interview with NPR National Security Correspondent Greg Meyer that happened on Tuesday that is featured on the front of our website that you should totally click. It's got Ren and my beautiful faces on it and Greg Meyer's beautiful face. All of uh, our beautiful
0: faces. It's only like
2: what 10 to 12 minutes long yeah
0: it's not too hard
2: it's not too long it's really interesting uh talk a lot about uh china and the role that the u.s is gonna play geopolitically with china in the years to come really interesting stuff you want to check that out kcsufm.com
0: yeah but something we didn't talk about in that interview that we're talking about today is conservation and the environment, which leads us to our question for you. How are you loving the environment? You can go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278 and tell us how you're loving the environment, how you're respecting it, how you're appreciating it. All of those things are welcome. Buying
2: it flowers, getting it chocolates. Yeah. Sensual massage.
0: <laughs> we'll go ahead and text Reach us in. Reach
2: down into the grass and...
0: Head it massage <laughs> <Besides> it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Go ahead and text us in again. That number is going to be 970 491 5278. But we have a little bit more news for you from yep. our very own Maximus Hunter. Just in
2: case you weren't sick of hearing my voice yet, my name is Maximus <laughs> Hunter, and this is your campus news on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. On February 11th, CSU celebrated its 150th birthday and started the celebrations off Monday with the College of Agricultural Sciences when they held a groundbreaking ceremony for the Temple Grandin Equine Center on the Foothills Campus. This new center will celebrate and elevate the role of the horse in society through the physical and emotional benefits of serving those in need, integrating research and education in order to promote evidence-based practices of equine-assisted activities and therapy. Following that, on Tuesday morning, representatives from CSU appeared at the state capitol in Denver in order to receive an official proclamation from the Colorado Legislature, congratulating the state's only land-grant university on its 150th anniversary. The proclamation recognized all three campuses of the CSU system for educating nearly 60,000 students every year. The classic birthday activities ensued by lunchtime, with cake and cookies being handed out at the dining halls, as well as Cam the Ram and the Pep Band providing excitement while people sign the giant birthday card. For those of you interested in climate change, a traveling exhibit launched by the National Center for Atmospheric Research, or NCAR, is on display at the Walter Scott Jr. College of Engineering this spring. This interactive exhibit will be open to the public through March 12th, And we'll be hosting a panel on March 3rd, featuring some of the top climate scientists in the field. Registration is required for the event, which can be found on CSU's website by searching NCAR Exhibit Reception. The exhibit is Real People, Real Climate, Real Changes, and was developed by NCAR and the UCAR Center for Science Education to help share the science of climate change and how it impacts people's lives. Using pictures, infographics, and personal stories, the traveling exhibit explains how scientists know that climate change is happening, what the future may look like, and how the impacts are affecting people, from flooding and drought to sea level rise and severe weather. The exhibit also allows for visitors to explore how their own choices can make a difference. And those two pieces were written by our very own Brittany Liskey, who unfortunately could not be here today, but will be back next Thursday. This next piece was written by our very own Ryland Todd, who was in on Tuesday. And Ryland says that on Tuesday, Colorado celebrated its sequicentennial during Founder's Day. <laughs> and I realize this is the same story now, so I'm going to keep moving along. Um, the Founder's Medal, though, was awarded every, is a tradition that's awarded every year, and this year the award recognizes Elizabeth Libby Coy, the first woman to graduate from the Colorado Agricultural College and part of the first class to earn a degree in 1884. That makes her actually the first woman to graduate from any college in Colorado and a worthy recipient for CSU's 150th anniversary. And that is all we have today for Campus News. My name is Maximus Hunter. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU for Collins.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that both Brittany and Rylan uh, brought up that it's CSU's 150th birthday.
2: Yeah, because it's a it's a big birthday. Happy it birthday, is, CSU! It's a huge Woohoo. birthday,
0: and it's also another landmark in Colorado's birthday coming up, and that's going to be the Denver International Airport. Um, so the Denver International Airport is approaching its 25th birthday. But its rich history, cult following, and the record-setting numbers may lead people to believe it's been
1: around for longer. So
2: what you're saying is that the airport part of the airport's turning 25, but the stonemason part of the airport is actually turning 600.
1: The underground's been there for a while. But the bomb shelter has been there since the nineties. Bomb
2: shelter, secret society, secret utopian society of non-humans.
0: Right. Yeah, so a little bit more about the conspiracies. So whether it's the blue horse sculpture with the fiery eyes that greets incoming guests or the terminal swastika-like structure, there are many conspiracies that surround DIA.
2: Wow, the music made that perfect. Did you hear that?
0: (laughs) DIA has taken this cult following in stride and has even begun to use it as a marketing strategy. They featured suggestions that the airport was being used as an apocalypse shelter or an Illuminati headquarters, both popular theories about the airport. Additionally, DIA installed an animatronic gargoyle recently that interacts with passengers in the airport in real time. No, they didn't. Oh my gosh, no, they didn't. They did.
1: Because I did see the gargoyle there when I was at DIA. I went around and looked at all the hotspots online of what people thought were conspiracy theories there. And there was one, but now it's animated. That's. that's yeah, it They talk really to you. got
2: into that No, Jeez. oh
1: yeah, they are. There's posters everywhere in there now.
2: Oh yeah, they love those. Well, they, they have yeah. some kind of creepy murals in DIA. Oh yeah, like some really yeah. kind of unsettling well, imagery. yeah,
0: the thing I uh, always thought was kind of weird was when you take, like, the shuttle to go to different parts of the airport, there's just, like, tunnels that the shuttle Oh, that just lead off kind of into yeah. nowhere, yeah. So that's the part that kind of, like, unsettled me a oh, little Oh, man, bit. when I was a
2: kid, I used to, like, sit in the... You know how they have, like, a little thing in the back, little window the, like, in the back, and you can thing? sit yeah. there? Yeah. When I was a kid, I would always, like, want to sit there, and I'd, like, watch, like, really closely, like, all the little fans. And all oh, I tunnels. still do.
1: I keep my eye open, too, down I, there. Yeah, it's I super fun,
2: <laughs> like, yeah.
1: I definitely think someone could use it as
0: a setting for a horror movie, a thriller movie. I think... Trapped
2: in Denver International Airport. D.I.A. The
1: trilogy.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah. On a more serious note, Denver International Airport is not just a site for conspiracies, but also for setting records. 25 years ago, many people doubted DIA would ever be able to fulfill its 50 million passengers per per year quota. But in 2019, DIA reached 69 million passengers.
2: And they got a hotel now.
0: Heck yeah, they do. Um, So from everyone here at KCSU, happy B-Day, DIA.
2: Yeah, happy birthday, DIA. Happy birthday, Colorado State. Happy birthday to you if it's your birthday.
0: Heck yeah. Alrighty, but we're gonna move right along and talk about some wolves and how their scat may mean that we actually have wolves in Colorado for the first time since nineteen forty. I mean
2: I mean that that's how we know anyway. Yes.
1: I mean judging by all the bunnies around CSU, I'm pretty sure hasn't been wolves around here in a long time. Yeah. no
2: no we well, could use some yeah
1: I actually was kind of
2: take care of bunnies I freshmen
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there weren't wolves in Colorado since 1940 like that kind of
1: yeah that me is strange. wild yeah that's a long time well without it's wolves. it's the
2: kind of place you think would have exactly. native wolves and we did at one point mm-hmm. but um you know due to the fact that historically humans and wolves haven't gotten along super duper well besides that whole like domesticating thing. Um, Which we love that part. We love that part, but then those aren't wolves anymore, they're dogs, and then the, the wolf population and, you know, farmers trying to settle in Colorado back in, you know, the mm-hmm. 1800s and, you know, all of that didn't didn't really see eye to eye, you know?
0: Well, yeah, what's interesting about this to me is that, like, people didn't bring these wolves in. They didn't, like, bring them into Colorado specifically to uh, maintain a...
2: A wolf population. Yeah, a wolf
0: population. Like, they just found like wolf droppings, and they are like, oh, there's wolves here now. So it was kind of a surprise to people, but it sounds like people are kind of on board for people it. People
2: are on board for it. Well, and so there's been a movement to repopulate wolves in Wyoming, which is probably where those ones migrated from. Um, and over, overall in the U.S., there's more of a, a general kind of push to bring wolves back. And actually, Colorado is getting in on it, too, this November. Uh, NPR reports that uh, we're actually going to be given the option on the ballot whether or not we want to bring wolves back into Colorado That's amazing. Have the yeah make an effort to
0: I was reading too that This is the first time that it sounded like people were actually for um, Wolf bringing, conservation yeah, bringing wolves uh, wolves To uh, state
2: well, and it's 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 kind of an interesting Perspective change right because in the past, you know, we didn't want wolves they you know kill livestock They, You know they're kind of dangerous but the, the benefits of having them in the ecosystem and keeping the ecosystem at the at equilibrium, we I think we now kind of realize are bigger and more important mm-hmm. than right. the benefit of getting rid of wolves is for our livestock. We have that stuff pretty well under control, but wolves are a part of the natural ecosystem.
0: Right. Yeah, I remember reading about Yellowstone and how they were overcrowded by... Um I don't remember exactly which kind deer? of animal, deer or elk or something like that, but there's just too many
2: We need wolves. Deer. And they
0: started like airdropping wolves into Yellowstone <laughs> National Park. It was kind of like a really funny like headline. They were like, wolves are being airdropped
1: into just Yellowstone.
2: imagine you're you know, just on just a hike. hike with your family and suddenly just like a wolf comes flying yeah. out of the sky. You can
1: do it from your phone. You just airdrop a picture of one on Google <laughs> yeah, wherever you Just get you a drone
2: delivered wolf. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I got too many rabbits. Amazon. But, wolf.
1: I mean, the only uh, concern that I heard about the wolves being reintroduced into the state is that people are wondering about if they're going to be in specific areas or if they're going to be wandering more into residential areas, is, well, is what
2: I've heard. That is concerning, and especially because it seems like the wolves that worked their way into the state would have probably originally come from Wyoming, but wolves don't particularly care about state lines or property <laughs> boundaries or well, any of that stuff. Right.
0: Uh, I think that is a well-founded fear, but also wolves are not very, like social creatures they kind of stray away from humans to begin with yeah like, well they're not scavengers are, like, really right yeah even when people are camping like it's never like wolves that you have to fear about it's always like bears <laughs> and honestly squirrels like wolves are gonna stay away from you mountain lions they really unless you're don't that
2: don't one like guy you.
0: yeah oh gosh yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: he doesn't he doesn't have to worry about mountain lions i think all the mountain lions no, they all told each him. other exactly him, they yeah. know him. all right well uh good talk i'm stoked for wolves yeah. To come back if that's happening.
1: Yeah, go out and vote.
2: Go out and vote on just another reason to vote. Um, also, just a, a, always a good thing, check to make sure your voter registration is up to date. If you want to uh, vote, I know Colorado's primary is happening on Super Tuesday. We got the general election in November. We got this. Always good to know that your voter registration is up to date.
0: Yeah. And we're actually going to take a quick break, but we want to pose that question to you one last time. How are you loving the environment? Is it, you're going to go vote for some wolves to come back to Colorado? Is it, uh, once again, you're petting grass, you're conserving water. Let us know what you're going to do to love the earth a little bit more this Valentine's Day. You can go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. And we'll be right back. This has been the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU FM welcome back to the rocky mountain review i'm your host Ren wattsworth
2: and i'm maximus hunter and we're joined in studio by our new reporter
1: this is chrissy conklin
0: awesome yeah and we just had a great discussion about wolves being reintroduced into colorado's uh environment and you can vote on that or a number of things when you go to vote.
2: <laughs> yeah, and if you missed that, you can check it out on our website, uh, kcsufm.com. All of our shows are recorded and under the News tab under Rocky Mountain Review. So if you ever miss something we do and you want to check it out, such as our interview with Greg Meyer on Tuesday or some of our previous interviews like with the uh, Moon Sol Museum, ben. the yeah. Los Cell Museum. Uh, lots of, we have, we have done a lot of fun stuff on this show. So if you ever want to check any of that out, KCSUFM.com.
0: Yeah, but we're going to move right along and learn a little bit more about what today is.
2: Ren, that's, first of all, that's my job. I'm sorry. To ask. <laughs> also, Wren, what day is it today?
0: Uh, well, since you asked, uh, today is February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. Uh, it's also World Radio Day, which I forgot to say. Also, we just got a text in. So before I do anything, we're going to read this text from our listener question about how you can be more environmentally conscious. And this is from Danny. And they say, I bike and walk every day in Brooklyn. Wow. (laughs) And it's made me more in touch with the seasons. I bet, because Brooklyn can get cold. Uh, When I travel by train or car, I don't notice the changes in vegetation, but being outside allows you to take it in and concentrate PCs. Pace. Pace.
2: Uh, I oh, I, I love that analysis because uh, I think that's so true especially um, I used to live in Chicago and I would ride the L train and there's a pretty drastic change of scenery at one point when you ride the blue line yeah. and you get a little closer to the airport and a little farther out of the city and uh, I love I love what I mean, there was a great quote in this this book that is it you direction and I best of the road? Uh, no, I was thinking of the, the quote from uh, The Hungry Tide, which is a landscape is like a story. You know, each each part of it is like another page, and it just keeps yeah moving and changing. And uh, I I love how that uh, that kind of ties into just walking and watching the landscape change. And,
1: yeah, and when you're walking and not driving, you tend to pay attention to more things around you. Yeah, and you I just almost, get
2: some good thinking done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I
0: almost feel like time slows down when you walk or ride your bike. And- yeah you, that's, you that's appreciate your a commute day. a little
1: bit more. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and all of all of that. I feel like you just appreciate everything. <laughs> um so that's awesome. Thank you. Was that was that another one of... Uh, that was,
1: yeah, Direction of the Road.
2: Well, no, I meant the oh, oh. Uh, the, the person who texted in. Was that someone? another person? No, names? I, I uh, don't know
1: Danny, but Danny, thanks, for, Brooklyn, thanks for texting in. Danny's from Brooklyn, so thanks awesome. for
2: texting in all the way from Brooklyn. Yeah. That's crazy. All
0: righty. Uh, since I stole your thunder last time, Max, would you like to ask me what Ren! day it is again? <laughs> what day is it today? All right, Max, it's February 13th. Uh, It is World Radio Day, which I forgot to write in, but KCSU has a whole bunch of stuff being aired on the site right now about World Radio Day, so you can go check that out once again at kcsufm.com.
2: And if you want to listen live, actually, World Radio Day's uh, recording is going to be playing during our usual rebroadcast time, so instead of hearing the Rocky Mountain Review at 11 p.m. tonight, you're going to hear about World Radio Day, but we'll be back on Tuesday.
0: Alrighty. But today is also National Cheddar Day. Uh, This cheese pops up in many dishes in American and European cuisine. It originated in the 12th century in the village of Cheddar in Somerset, England. really? Yeah, that's where the name Uh, came from. (laughs) I love that.
2: That's creative. That's my favorite fact.
0: While the cheese is popular in America, ranking as a third of all cheese stores Sold and not stole uh, all cheese sold in the US. Its popularity really comes from the United Kingdom where it originated. More than half of cheese sales in the UK are due to cheddar. So I kind of want to ask
1: you guys what's your favorite cheese?
2: Probably cheddar because I'm boring. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a National Cheddar Day, so I shouldn't say that. You know, because I'm awesome.
1: <laughs> cheddar because I'm awesome. I like kind of weird cheeses. My dad always told me the stinkier the better.
2: That's true. That's true. You know, that's, that's <laughs> generally <is> true. true. <laughs> Some good Lindburger cheese. Yeah. Do you have <laughs> yeah. any
1: like specific cheese you really like? Um, not necessarily. I do like a little bit more creamy cheese. I'm a big with, goat, with goat cheese With cram- some cranberries in it.
2: Goat cheese. Yeah. Oh, I like goat oh, cheese goat a lot. goat cheese. Yeah. Best.
1: All right.
0: I really like. For like sandwiches, I like pepper jack. But then I'm a big blue cheese comic. Girl. Oh, really? Man. I yeah, can't
2: I relate, but the i the one percent. I respect that you exist because someone out there needs yeah. to like blue cheese.
0: I do really like blue cheese, but I respect people who don't because I can understand why you would. not it's, it's not a choice. It's an acquired taste.
2: It's not a choice. <laughs> not a choice. We're it's born this way. <laughs> deep reaction.
0: Alrighty. So today is also National Tortellini Day. Uh tortellini is a stuffed pasta dish that originated from the Italian region of Bologna. Uh, the dish is traditionally made by filling pasta with ham, white meat, and parmesan cheese. You can also top the dish with sauce made of pesto, cheese, or tomato. Additionally, dishes like ravioli and tortellini are part of all the same family as tortellini. There's also an organization known as the Learned Order of Tortellini that is dedicated to preserving traditional tortellini. The Learned Order of Tortellini wears hats to their meetings that are shaped like tortellini and ribbon around their neck with gold tortellini on it.
2: Please tell me the next story isn't about food. You're getting me so hungry. Uh,
0: It is not. (laughs) Oh, good. With Valentine's Day coming up tomorrow, you may be feeling a little lonely, but today's national holiday may just fix that for you. Today is Galentine's Day, which encourages you to celebrate the women in your life, their friendship, and their love. Aww. Yeah. That's sweet. If you're in in the giving mood, National Giving Hearts Day is for you. This national holiday suggests that you donate to your favorite charity or charities. National Giving Hearts Day is the longest-running giving day in the United States, and it runs for 24 hours exactly.
2: So if you think your way of showing love to the environment might be donating to some environmental charities... Text that in. Text That'd that in. That'd be cool. In. And totally donate to environmental charities. I mean, I'm not. I'm super broke, but <laughs> you should.
0: It's the idea <laughs> that matters. All right, Max. We are almost done with our show, but before we wrap it up, there is something we have to address that I can just feel it in the air. I don't know if you can, too.
2: I can. What is it? I, I'm going to be very somber today. It's the weather. Ooh. I know. That That's weather. That's not a good sign, is it? <laughs> Well, oh, so my, like emulate Eeyore here. It's been pretty dreary in Fort Collins this last week, with lots of snow and clouds covering up the sun on most days. Today was a lot like that, with a high of 28, no sun to be laughing seen all I wrote day. This. But don't worry. Because that's all going to change tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow, the high is going to raise to about 20 degrees at a high of 48. And the good news just doesn't stop there, though, because there's going to be a lot of sunshine on Friday. As you move into your weekend, the sun's going to stick around, but the higher temperatures are not. The high for Saturday is going to drop to about 39 and rise again on Sunday to a high of 46 for those clouds going back in. That warmer weather may not last for long, and if you thought you'd seen the last of snow here in Colorado, you're wrong. Because it looks like there's going to be a high chance of snow on Monday so if you want to know more you're gonna to have to come around to tuesday's rocky mountain review and i'll have more weather for you then
0: yeah i really hope there's a snow day on monday but um i'm not naive enough to
1: think there actually will be
2: that would be nice yeah that would be nice. hold on let me put on my sad voice again there's <laughs> no way there's gonna be a snow day on monday
1: csu doesn't believe in snow days
2: they don't want us to have <laughs> snow days they want us to be cool <laughs>
1: Yeah. Alrighty,
0: well with that, that is the end of our show. Shoot,
2: I had a fun time.
0: I know, I did too. Uh, we do have to thank some people before we finish up the show, starting Absolutely. with Damien Castile, who wrote this song.
2: You mean this song? This song? Whoa! Yeah, this song playing right now. Thanks, Damien. Uh, we definitely got to thank Chrissy. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank your you. first show ever. I look forward to seeing you guys every Thursday. Great. I, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, we also got to thank Britt Leeski uh, for writing her piece, even though she couldn't make it in today. Same with uh, Coda Babcock and... Rylan Todd for contributing.
0: Yeah, we'll go ahead and thank Ray Zaragoza once again for that piece that we aired tonight.
2: Yes, and we definitely like to thank all the KCSU people. That includes Julia Badalese, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Monty Daniels, Josh Kellogg, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Desiree Cruz, Taylor Sandals, Sam Bonifay, Yasmin Conscious, and the rest of the staff here. Everyone, we couldn't do this without you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I want to thank you, Max, for being my partner in crime, the Thelma to my Louise. I think I got that oh, right. I want to right. thank you, the, Ren, because we're Watson not to committing... Uh,
2: to being the partner in our legal <laughs> doings where we make news. There's nothing criminal about this. That you know of. No, no, no. We stick to the story. We Come on, we talked about this. Nothing criminal. No, no I'm kidding. Uh, but well, seriously, I couldn't do this without you. I love having the show with you. It's really fun.
0: Alrighty. And of course, we have to thank you. We could not do this show without you and we love doing this show with you. Yeah,
2: so thanks for listening. And with that,